0: Soccer and Snow and Smoke from the World Cup rolling on. I'm Andrew Houghton. This is Soccer and Snow and Smoke, the new soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. We've been bringing you World Cup previews all of last week. Checked in on every group just to get you ready with what to watch for. But this one's exciting. Joining me tonight, and it is just past 11 on a cold winter's night in Missoula. But joining me on the phone... From Cutter, it's Marcus Cranston, who's come on this podcast before, United States men's national team superfan, the Eagle man himself. Marcus, how are you doing, man? How's the weather over there?
1: Uh, weather's uh, still pretty warm. We thought maybe it would start to cool down more than uh, it has, but uh, yeah, games are usually uh, 80s, mid-80s, something like that. Um, Stadiums are air-conditioned, so a lot of times you go into the stadium, though, and it's just freezing in there. So uh, weather's not so much of an issue for the games, but uh, in between the games, it's pretty hot down here.
0: Well, I wanted to thank you again for coming on. As I mentioned, just past 11 o'clock here on Sunday night in Missoula, but just past 9 a.m. in the morning there in Cutter. So thanks for taking the time, man.
1: Sure, sure. It's great to have a chance to talk to
0: you. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you by Canby Taphouse & Coffee. Blackfoot Communications, and Zootown Sports Cards. Big thanks to all our sponsors. We couldn't do it without them. Make sure to enter our World Cup giveaway featuring packs of cards from Zootown Sports Cards as well as a $25 gift card to Cambie Tap House. All you got to do is text us, 406-888-1029. Who do you think is going to win the World Cup? And who do you think is going to score the most goals at this year's edition of the World Cup? You don't have to be right. You just got to text me and tell me your predictions. 406-888-1029. With those predictions, you'll be entered to win some great packs of cards from Zootown Sports Cards as well as a gift card to Cambie Taphouse. Two of our great sponsors here on Soccer and Snow and Smoke along with Blackfoot Communications. What's it been like those first couple weeks And Marcus has been over there at the World Cup? He's a guy who goes to all the United States men's national team games. You can listen to the previous two episodes of the podcast that he appeared on for a little idea of what his deal is, how deep and how uh, intense his fandom is. So he's been over there in Qatar from the start of the World Cup. Just what's it like over there?
1: Well, you know, this is our uh, seventh World Cup, and everyone is always a little bit different. Uh, but this one's very different. Uh, having all the games in basically one city, all the stadiums, uh, you know, just all... Located in one place, uh, just the schedule itself uh, every day is so much different rather than uh, the typical World Cup where you have a game and then you have to wait You know, two or three days if you're in that city or you have to travel uh, during those days to get to your next game. Here, it's just you're in one place and everybody's usually asking everybody the day before, oh, what games are you going to today? You know, everybody usually has one, two, and some people have even gone to four games in one day. And so – that's probably the most uh, unique situation is just that every game is right here and accessible. Uh, so just the schedule itself gets a little hectic uh, traveling around. Um, the uh, few other unique things, uh, you know, the stadiums themselves, uh, it, it's like I said earlier, a lot of times it's, you know, hot outside. You plan for it and you get in there and they're all air conditioned, even though they're open the stadiums. Uh, so you never quite know if you're going to be too hot or too cold in the stadium. Uh, transportation has been a little challenging you would think that you know everything in one city uh, sometimes it's just a matter of getting five miles and you know your uber's going round and round because all of a sudden there's uh you know this road or that road is closed off um so a lot of different uh different things about this one just be given the compact nature of how they've uh you know put it all into one city
0: yeah how do you think that's worked out so far i mean certainly unique like you said but just Having everything that close, I mean, I think I read, you know, 13 miles is the farthest apart that two of these stadiums are for this World Cup. I mean, how do you think that that's been handled so far?
1: So I think uh, from a player standpoint, from a team standpoint, it's quite great. Uh, You know, they're all staying in one hotel. um, They have one training ground. um, You know, every game is, uh, you know, a not 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 having any significant travel uh, between games so for the players i think it's been great uh for the fans it's been challenging um they first few days were fine uh after that things have gotten a little bit overrun as far as either traffic or accommodations uh just a lot of challenges your days, you think um you got a lot of time because you're in one place you're not traveling by plane to another city or something like that but you end up spending my extra hour here or two hours there, just waiting for, again, transportation is probably one of the biggest things. Uh, they have landed into a few issues with some of the accommodations uh, as well. Uh, so those kind of challenges have been there uh, just from the fact of it being, you know, so many people coming into one one city. But like I said, then there's the advantage of, you know, being able to go to so many games too. Uh, offset so Some of the disc, uh the, Difficulties uh, getting around uh, from place to place.
0: Marcus Cranston, a great friend of the podcast, joining us here on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. He's live on the ground in Qatar attending his seventh World Cup following the United States men's national team around the world. Marcus, originally from Frenchtown, which is the reason he came on this podcast in the first place because we wanted to talk about that. He's now living down in Las Vegas. And Marcus, I mean, just what was the journey like for you? Just walk me through the journey to get to Qatar in the first place here for this World Cup.
1: Sure, sure. And that, you know, really started back right after qualification or even before that. Uh, we already kind of had ideas of what we might do traveling in and out. And as soon as we uh, saw the draw, so we had our dates in, uh, set, we started looking at uh, flights. And uh, a couple places I hadn't been uh, in the Middle East or around the world uh, I kind of targeted those places, so we actually flew into Lebanon, uh, spent two days there, got to see some stuff. Quite a few people I know did that. It uh, was just uh, you know cheaper to fly to some of the countries outside of Qatar and then come in. Um, the um, the other other thing was just uh, you know this opportunity to have you know all the Gulf countries so close and and, and some of the other Middle Eastern countries uh, close together. Uh, so just an opportunity to 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 see some of those areas on the way in. So we came in, got here two nights before uh, the first game, and we actually put together a party had about 70 uh, or so U.S. fans get together. Those that had been in early, um, we had a Facebook group that started with just two of us and now has I don't know I think uh, about uh, 12, 13 a hundred people in it. And so there were a lot of people that been real active and, uh, faces that we, you know, were seeing through the internet, but had never met. And so having that extra day in here was, uh, just a, a great opportunity to meet up with people. Um, U S soccer put on a party, you know, they'll have a night before a party before every game. And so that's a, kind of the first opportunity to really get the fans, full group of fans together. And then, uh, from then on, it was, uh, you know, next day out for the uh, Wales game, and so that was that was the the route in the, to the World Cup, and uh, obviously exciting from the, from the start getting to see the U.S. play.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit again. I'm I'm recording this on Sunday night in Missoula, so that would mark a week since the beginning of this 2022 World Cup in Qatar. United States played right after that against Wales and and got the 1-1 draw, and then, of course, the Big Black Friday match against England. Marcus, what's been just your read on the U.S. team so far, especially compared to what you saw from them in qualifying and maybe compared to what your expectations for them were coming into this tournament?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, from qualifying we saw kind of inconsistency. Uh, you know, they play a game where we thought, wow, well, they look like, uh, you know, these young guys are really coming together. And then another game where it looked like, well, they're just young guys that are still trying to get used to playing together uh, gain that experience and confidence. And uh, I think the Wales game was kind of like that, that first 15 minutes, especially when they came out and then throughout that first half team looked great. Uh, and, and then getting the goal. Um, we all, you know, felt really good. Obviously, you know, just you're holding on, you're holding on. They had opportunities to get that second goal. Uh, but then this the second half, you can kind of see they were, you know, getting a little bit, uh, just a little frazzled. Uh, some of the, you know, kind of breaking down a little bit on defense and we also getting some opportunities there. And then, of course, uh, the, you know, the penalty. So, You know, as a fan, it was uh, just uh, amazing to be in the stadium, to get that goal, uh, you know, to be leading a World Cup game. I thought we were on the track to get those three points uh, all the way up until, what, 10 minutes or so left in the the match. And so emotionally, it was um, just like, you know, from the highs to uh, then, uh, you you know, you almost feel like you lost the game, even though it was a tie. And... uh, I've been to a few World Cups where we've had that same situation uh, where we tie the game, and it just feels like everything's on pause. You know, you just – okay, well, now we just have to wait the next, you know, three days uh, until that fourth day that we get another game to kind of feel like, well, are we going to be uh, excited about this World Cup and, and you know, optimistic, or is this going to be, you know, a real disappointment? Um, and so that's kind of, where, you know – as far as following the team, what it feels like. And then I think, you know, going into the England game, everybody was pretty nervous. Um, And, uh, you know, played pretty well in the first half and the second half. We thought they were just, you know, it was great. They outplayed England, uh, had the more of the, the chances there. Um, And so I think we felt uh, really good about that tie. Whereas, uh, you know, England was pretty down about the tie. So, yeah, just interesting is you know watching the team and seeing a game, you know, two games so far where we've had ties. Feeling you know disappointed or let down with the first game, and then you know optimistic and excited about the tie with the second game there. Um, and now we're just you know, it feels great to have the team in that situation where they have control of it. You know, you know they when they're going to get in, they don't have to worry. About what happens in the Wales and England game. And so I think we're going to really see, you know, in this with the pressure on uh, what this young team is, you know, going to be able to do. And, uh, you know, so far they've looked, uh, looked like they, you know, have the potential and now it's going to be this one game uh, for them to, to realize that potential and move on or, you know, four years uh, for them to uh, bring things together uh, for the next run.
0: That's right, United States men's national team taking on Iran on Tuesday, noon Mountain time, and just like Marcus explained it there, U.S. wins, they're on to the knockout rounds. It's nice to have their destiny in their hands like that. And Marcus, I mean, just what is the fan experience in the stadium like? I mean, are you sitting with a bunch of other U.S. fans, or is it more diverse than that? Uh, what's What's it been like when you're actually inside the stadium?
1: Yeah. And then actually it starts outside the stadium. We, uh, uh, try to arrange, uh, we got a small group of guys, uh, been doing the logistics behind, uh, getting to the stadium. And we have this, uh, you may have seen on the, uh, on TV, the large flag that we unveiled during the national anthem. And so for the first game we were able to meet inside of uh, a mall, which was across the park, uh, uh, parking lot from the stadium. And so we probably had you know maybe five hundred people out you know hanging out in the mall uh we you know unveiled the the flag and then march the flag all the way uh from the mall into the stadium and um you know that's that's kind of the the start We got a guy with a drum uh and uh, obviously a couple guys uh running the the chance the capos and so it all starts outside the stadium. Inside the stadium, it's just a little bit more of a challenge uh, than our typical games where we can, you know, U.S. soccer um, controls uh, some of the seating as far as the fan groups being able to purchase tickets. So at these games, it's all just based on the uh, ticket lottery, uh, and then you get assigned seats uh, based on, on, you know, randomly. And so we usually try to kind of, you know, have a lot of the supporters get – You know, as many tickets as they can, even if they may have friends that aren't um, necessarily, you know, certain that they're going to be able to go, and then try to swap around and try to form as much as we can a group of uh, fans behind the goal. Uh, The seats are actually sold in three, uh, technically four categories, but the fourth category is just for people who live here in Qatar. So three categories, and that third category is a small group um, of seats behind the goal, a few sections behind the goal. And so we all target that. So we can usually get a pretty good uh, group uh, in that section. So that section is, you know, kind of similar to what you might see on the TV for any game in the U.S. And, you know, we got our drum there. That's where the flag is. And, uh, you know, um, the large group that's chanting in unison. And then the rest of the area beyond that, it's uh usually a little bit more kind of mostly US bands, but largely pockets of uh uh those that know the chance that are gonna stand and and, and and sing. And then, you know, beyond that the rest of the stadium is kinda of scattered with uh those that get involved with the the actual uh chance and uh and and cheering for the team. But uh, that's kind of how the, the stadium layout usually is. Uh, first game, we actually were lucky. We had that first row um, right down, uh, standing next to uh, uh, the drummer. And, uh, and so that experience is, you know, just everybody around you. You, you think that the whole stadium, you know, we're the loudest uh, uh, you know, cheering section that, ever, you know, that was ever formed in the world because it's just you, it, all around you when you're right down in that. Um, then the next game, we sat up a little bit higher, about uh, twenty twenty-five rows up from the field um, behind the goal, and then you start to realize that uh, you know it's it's uh, a smaller group than than you really think, uh, as far as that group that's that's uh, really down there doing the the major chanting for the games.
0: Yeah, the big moment, I guess, from the U.S.-England game and Weston McKenney had a great chance, but the big chance was Christian Pulisic hitting a shot off the crossbar. What's it like for a moment like that? And we've talked before on this podcast about some of the great moments at World Cups or at United States men's national team games that you've been to, but just what's a moment like that, especially on the World Cup stage, what's that like to, to just experience?
1: Yeah, I think that... Uh... You know, it's those uh, near misses, uh, obviously some of the, uh, you know, penalty misses, uh, saves, uh, things like that where it's just so close. It's so difficult to score. And, and, and uh, you know, we went to uh, a couple of cocky calf games yesterday and, um, you know, sat through, uh, you know, nearly a goalless draw with Costa Rica first and uh Costa Rica finally got that that goal to end. Um but we were you know discussing it and it and, and has been discussion about uh the the number of goals especially first half uh the scoring has just been so low and so it's just so difficult to get those goals and it seems more, even more so this world cup for some reason. Uh so when you get those chances um you know all you can think i think is you know just oh you know are we going to get another chance was that the the only chance we would get to, you know, to, to, you know, potentially win the game one nothing or tie the game. Um, so coming so close and, uh, and not scoring, I think, uh, you know, certainly for the fans, it's difficult to not forget that moment. You're, you know, thinking about that for the next 10, 20 minutes, maybe, you know, until the end of the game, you know, just thinking that was our chance. We blew it. That was our chance. You know, we could have had it. Um, but, uh, yeah, those near misses uh, are are difficult uh to get out of your mind as as the game goes on.
0: It's Marcus Cranston. He's the Eagle Man, a great United States men's national team fan who's in Cutter following the team at this year's twenty twenty two World Cup, originally from Frenchtown, which was how his first appearance on soccer and snow and smoke came about as I said now in Cutter and about to kick off another day there, just past 11 p.m. here in Missoula, but just past 9 a.m. over there in Qatar. And Marcus, I just real quick, the last thing maybe about this year's United States team, what do you think they have to do in that Iran game and we, you know, the stakes of that? Tuesday at noon, again, Iran against the United States. U.S. has to win to move on to the knockout stage. What do you think they have to do to get that result and get those three points in that game?
1: Yeah, I think the the challenge is going to be um, obviously to get that goal. Uh, Iran is uh, likely to sit back. They know they just need the tie. We've had trouble uh, throughout Concacaf with uh, maybe you know teams that are even uh, you know less uh, skilled or uh, you know experienced uh, on the world stage than Iran. We've had trouble with those teams breaking them down and and getting goals obviously you know if they could break through and get an early goal um the game completely changes at that point um so there's probably a couple things one is just uh being creative Uh, you know there's been a lot of discussion about uh Gio Reyna uh will he come in will he play um I think a lot of us are expecting that this will be you know as long as he is truly healthy uh he'll be in starting this game and so just a little more creative uh uh, Flare there, and then the question is, you know, who they start up front. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, they kind of gone with uh, Haji Wright and, and, you know, Sargent in the first game, but more um, certainly in the game against England, uh, games where they were not so much uh, going to be facing a team that was was bunkered back, and so it'll be interesting to see who Verhalter uh, chooses to play up front. Um, but uh, I think the other part of it's just going to be the emotion um you know especially if the game goes tied you know into the second half um you, you know this already yeah, I was there in ninety eight uh you know and and all they talked about was you know the political uh tensions political tensions um certainly uh, you know the players have to kind of understand that this is you know a different type of rivalry but yet a rivalry game and uh just watching the Iran play you know last couple of games are you know a real physical team and so uh, they're going to have to keep their heads, you know, especially uh, retaliating on challenges or you know anything that might bring out cards. Um, and I think that's going to be the other, you know, the other thing is just cr- controlling those emotions, um, you know, not uh, panicking uh, as they they do try to attack. But uh, obviously, uh, just getting creative, uh, hopefully getting a first goal, an early goal, um, and then just uh, controlling those emotions. I think that's the key to their game.
0: Definitely. You mentioned going to two other games, I guess, earlier today. That'd be Sunday. Costa Rica with a big upset kind of against Japan one to nothing, getting a late goal, and then Canada eliminated. I think it ended up 4-1 to against Croatia, knocking the Canucks out of this year's World Cup. Maybe not those games in particular, but what have you thought about maybe some of the other big games, some of the other big moments um, at this year's World Cup?
1: I think obviously the uh, upsets are the first things that are talked about. So, you know, Germany losing a game, Argentina losing a game. Um, Those were, uh, you know, the (laughs) the big talk around here. Uh, Being CONCACAF, um, you know, obviously you focus on the Mexican performances, Um, the fact that they, you know, Probably not going to make it through. uh, Has been the other thing that I think as U.S. fans, we've uh, kind of uh, been kind of focused on their games. Um, But yeah, this uh, just kind of in general, um, it's it's just kind of because you're here and because you have access to to the the games. There's a, a different vibe I think traveling to this World Cup, whereas you know you might. Um, you know, pick, you know, one game a day or a couple games a day that you might, you know, sit at home or sit in the bar to watch um, if you're uh, not here or, you know, the World Cup was spread out. And then, you know, all of the talk would be about that one particular game. You know, here it's, okay, selecting which game you're going to go to and then, you know, it might not be the you know you get tickets to a game that might not be the premier game that day, uh, but you end up talking more about the, the you know the experience that you had there, and then you know um, you know I've had people talk about uh, you know going and sitting with the Australian fans, or sitting with the Japanese fans, um, you know just different fan interactions and that sort of thing. So there's a lot, just kind of different discussions. You know we talk about the goals, or you know the could be more uh, high-profile games here. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily uh, isn't so much the focus I think uh, as it normally is in the World Cup. It's much more you know what we're talking about is you know what the experiences are going to games because you're you're just you know every day you know going going to a game um, and 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 it just changes the the that perspective that we usually have on uh, what was the highlight of the day.
0: Yeah, what's it been like? interacting with people there is it mostly fans of other countries that you're interacting with or is it as you had the chance to sort of absorb some of the culture of Qatar? i, I you know what's it been like just day to day
1: yeah and the major difference there is you know most world cups you go to a city and you have uh you know maybe a day before a day after at least if not a couple more days to see things in that that city and and you probably have you know in the group stage you have you know three different cities that you're going to go to while you're there at each city you have you know one other team uh for the most part that has fans in that city and so you know you have a much more leisurely uh, schedule of time to actually go out and, and see sites and when you go out you're usually you know whatever team you're going to play playing against for that match those are the fans that you see here it's you know it, it's 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 hard to uh, to to find a down day where you say, oh, "Okay, I'm just not going to go to a game here. I'm going to go, you know, see a museum." For example, today with the game, you know, U.S. game tomorrow is the first day I think that we've said, "Okay, we're not going to go to a game, and we are going to go actually see a museum." And so it's just different uh, from from that standpoint, uh, just the time for the leisure and the tourist sort of activities. Uh, but the other thing is just you never know. You know, if you come around the corner, uh, what country the fans you run into are going to be from because everybody's here. And so, you know, you might go to, you know, sit down at a restaurant and have fans from 10, you know, different countries just in the tables around you. Uh, So that's been one of the major differences there is just having everybody here and uh, interacting with, you know, all the different fans um it's also changed the the games uh, because you have you know so many neutral fans They're you know they kind of go into the stadium somewhat neutral um it, it, and then you you can see a a big sway and how how uh how the supporters are following the games that the Japan and and uh, uh, Germany game I didn't go but talked to the friends about that one you saw on TV with you know there, most of the people were were going in uh if they weren't fans of either country kind of going in, supporting Germany, uh, just being Germany's, uh, you know, more high-profile team. But then as soon as Japan came back and got the goals, then all of a sudden they turned and, and you know, we're cheering uh, primarily for Japan. Um, so just going around, having everybody in one place has really changed the dynamics of, uh, of uh, the fan interactions that we've had here.
0: Yeah, are you staying in
1: Doha? Uh, so we are, we've, uh, you know, we've stayed here. We have a lot of people, we know, uh, coming in and out of the country. Uh, we'll actually go uh, t- after the game tomorrow to Saudi Arabia. And if the U.S. has another game, then we'll come back in uh, to Doha for that uh, game. But, yeah, a lot of people are either, you know, purposely staying in other countries outside of uh, Qatar or just taking uh, advantage of, of traveling uh, to other countries, Um because everything's so so close and because the accommodations are you know somewhat limited here and so sometimes it's you know cheaper to take a flight out spend some time out of the country for a couple days and then fly back in around the games
0: yeah there's been a lot of talk about the accommodations at the world cup the accommodations for visiting fans for people coming in from other countries what's been your experience with that so far
1: We've done a little bit of everything, and that was kind of the plan going in. Uh, we stayed on a cruise ship for two nights uh, before uh, the first US match, and uh, the biggest challenges there were uh, they had had a, a bunch of roads blocked off, so Ubers and taxis had difficulty getting out to the cruise ship. So it was a little inconvenient getting on and off. Uh, but once you're on the cruise ship, it's you know kind of everything's there and the uh, you know the big screens on the pool deck and so you can sit out watch every game there uh obviously you have bars that are open uh uh you know throughout the day watch games and uh, drink alcohol which um a little different than most places you know you're going to be in the city but uh but the cruise ship so they, you know that's that's sort of one one opportunity is uh, to stay in cruise ships uh, we also have a couple uh, people traveling with us uh, for parts of the time. So after the cruise ship, we stayed um, in an apartment for uh, four or five nights, and that was uh, just you know real, all convenient. You had your, you know all the things you would expect to have. We actually had Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, my wife insisted. Uh, so Wonder Woman insisted that we were going to have Thanksgiving dinner, and so we found a hotel that uh, would prepare and uh, was actually. I'm um, doing Thanksgiving dinners that you could pick up, and so she did that. we had a full kitchen to you know heat the food and, and, and cook and um, and so that was uh, just a very convenient uh, place to stay. Um, after that, we'd been in a hotel for two nights. Uh, one thing is that if you book anything other than hotels and uh, the the fan villages for um, you know, those have to be more than a two night uh, uh, reservation, and so we would had some plans to go out to Dubai and that uh, changed over. The hotel, and so that's just a standard, you know, what you expect with the hotel. Um, a little more expensive than you know, probably about three, maybe four times what they would normally charge for the hotel itself. And then, uh, we're a little nervous uh, about this afternoon because we're moving to the fan village, and so i you know, probably been some writing uh, back home about that. Um, the, they've had uh, just a lot of difficulties with the check in, uh, lost keys, uh, people have been waiting. Um you know four or five hours trying to get into a, uh one of the cabins which are the the container cabins there they um had started where a uh, program where they were just you know take, refunding people's money and then taking them to uh other apartments to stay um that that's been i think the one uh accommodation um a uh, situation that just has been been a real mess, and so we have a place over there where we want to try to experience a little bit of everything. And so we spent two nights there, It's right by where the U.S. is playing their last game, anyway. And so uh, we're not exactly sure uh, <laughs> how check-ins are going to go, or if we'll even check in to, to to that place there. So a lot of variability in uh, the different places to stay, and uh, so different experiences depending on on where you end up uh, booking
0: yeah and the availability of of alcohol has been the other big thing that hasn't been an issue for you it's It hasn't been available in the stadiums during the games, but it sounds like you know there are places to go outside of the stadiums
1: exactly yeah so they, that was obviously we had you know even scheduled some things around just uh having the fan zones uh, before the game and after the game as a place where we could have people you know come together on, you know marching into the stadium so forth. And then, you know, they waited till the last week until that, uh, that, uh, option was, was, was pulled. And, and so, um, but there are, uh, you know, I was surprised I had been here, um, last spring and, uh, just assumed that the bars within the hotels would just be overrun with, uh, tourists. But I don't think we've, you know, um, the times we've gone without, uh, reservations, I don't think we've actually, uh, ran into a time where the place was actually full, and they wouldn't take anybody else in. Uh, quite a few places are doing uh, reservations uh, with short windows around the game, so you can, you know, they'll have a a minimum uh, purchase and or a cover charge, and then uh, you have a a seat for about a three-hour window, you know, before and after uh, the game before the next game starts. Um, but there, you know, the western bars are tucked away inside the western hotels. And uh, you know, that's been, you know, the one area for uh people to get together if they want to drink. We the the fans on we have not been down there yet and that was the other area and uh uh I think that's gotten pretty crowded at night. Uh they started to take serving alcohol around seven o'clock. So the last two games of the day, uh you could go down there, see the big uh you know, watch the game on the big screen and, and, and get Budweiser, limited to Budweiser, but uh You know, that was the other option that uh, some people have have, have tried
0: to do. It's Marcus Cranston. He's our correspondent on the ground in Cutter. Great United States men's national team fan, the Eagle Man. You'll see him if you're watching any of these United States men's national team games. He's got the Eagle suit, the Eagle mask. Great distillation of the passion around this game. And if you do see him, you can say, I heard him on soccer and snow and smoke, Marcus. Anything else that you wanted to mention? Anything else that we haven't touched on about just being there for this event and the the pageantry and and the importance of it and just what the experience of being there is like?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, you know if you haven't gone to a World Cup before, um, it's like any uh, sporting uh, event, it's going to be kind of you know as much as you you enjoy the countries and, you know, you're influenced by the, the experiences you have from the travel standpoint, um, you know, the friends you make and, and so forth. Uh, the performance usually ends up uh, determining how you feel about the tournament. Uh, so we'll see. I think that, you know, we're all on pins and needles here uh, for the next game. Uh, this is exactly where we were in 2010 uh, in South Africa where we had a couple ties. We had to win the last game. You know, we had England in our group at the top of the group. Uh, and so we're just all hoping that, you know, that we'll have that, uh, excitement, maybe not a last minute versus Algeria, Donovan goal, maybe a, you know, 10th minute, uh, Weston McKinney header off a corner. But, uh, I think that, you know, for us here in, in the country, and, you know, we're just, uh, you know, really anxious about, uh, this next game. Like you said earlier, we just all feel like we're on pause. And so I think, uh, you know, the 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 it's just uh you know, all about the excitement of, you know, building up from tonight, uh, you know, pre parties and going into tomorrow, organizing the march, and then uh that game against Iran is uh just gonna be amazing. Uh, either, you know, <laughs> terribly deflating or just ecstatic to to win and get out of the group and then see what the young team can do in the knockout round.
0: Well enjoy it, man. I hope you have a reason to enjoy it, like you said. United States men's national team taking on Iran. Tuesday, that'll be at 12 noon Mountain Time, high noon. U.S. needs a win, needs all three points to get out of that Group B and into the knockout rounds. It's Marcus Cranston, who's on the ground there in Qatar. He's attended both United States men's national team games in this World Cup, as well as some other games Just giving us a little look, a little portrait at what it's like to be at this unique World Cup in Qatar, the 2022 Men's FIFA World Cup. Marcus, man, I won't keep you any longer. It's getting near to my bedtime, but you've got a full day ahead of you before the United States plays on Tuesday. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. It was great talking with you again.
1: Great talking to you, too, and I hope everybody back home is watching the game.
0: Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you in part by Camby Taphouse, Zootown Town Sports Cards, and Blackfoot Communications we will continue bringing you analysis, opinion, reaction from the World Cup all the way through the final. But for now, I'm Andrew Houghton from Marcus Cranston all the way in Qatar signing off on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. Thank you for listening.